Ephesians. Uh, why Ephesians? Well, it's different than uh, other books that I've preached through. You know, if about 90% of the time I'm preaching through books of the Bible. I think just over 40. Now, I usually say 40 and whatever that number is and a half because we're like halfway through Psalms. And, um, but um, So about 90% of the time we're going through books of the Bible. So if you're here for the first time, this is pretty normal for us to open our Bibles to a particular book of the Bible over the course of several weeks. And when I was uh, an intern at Lakeview Baptist and as I just finished college, I asked Al Jackson, I said, Al, if you were starting new as a pastor at a, at a church for the first time, what, where would you start? What would you preach first? I'm, like, I'm just thinking in my mind, Genesis, you know, the first book. And uh, he said, I'd start in Ephesians. I said, really? He said, I'd, I'd start in Ephesians. And so I uh, went on to seminary, finished seminary, and I remember that. I, we went to Cleveland, Tennessee to pastor Macedonia Baptist Church. And that first fall, fall of 92, I preached through the book of Ephesians. And then when I came here eight years later in the fall of 2000, uh, in, September, um, in September of 2000, we began and I preached through the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're here, we're fall of 2021, and you're thinking, uh, you're not the new pastor and this isn't a new church, and why Ephesians? And I do feel like, though, that we're in a new season. That something just feels like uh, we're headed into kind of a, a, a new season, new time in the life of our church. I feel like I'm headed toward the home stretch of how God would use me as a pastor and in this life. And, and just looking out there at the future, I just feel like the starting point for this time in the life of our church, me and the pastor, is to go back to Ephesians and say, let's go here. And a big part of that is even for the life of our church. And I did that in uh, fall of 2000. There are just about 200 of us, and, and about uh, 2,000 of us now. And I was thinking this morning, I saw my kids, I see Wilson this morning, and he's 17. That means he's never heard me preach to the book of Ephesians. Same for Cheney. And so a lot of you are like that. You've been born since we preached through Ephesians. You've been born again since we preached through Ephesians. You've come here new since we preached through the book of Ephesians. And so uh, I want you to know, even though it's the third time to go through the book of Ephesians, I'm not reheating leftovers, all right? I like it when it comes to food, but I don't like it when it comes to God's Word. And uh, I, I'm not, I haven't pulled all the sermons and just reheating a sermon and an outline. This is just starting fresh and reading and studying and praying and seeing what God has for us. So for the first reason, it's just a great place to start new. Number two reason is that church church, local church, uh, gets, uh, is, is getting kind of some bad publicity right now. And you will encounter people that will say, I love Jesus, but I don't do the church thing. Or I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm done with church. And what you find in Ephesians is God's description of the, of the church. He speaks of the mystery of the church. And I'm so excited about being back in Ephesians because as the world is giving bad press to the church, I want to give weeks to good press for the church. I love the local church. I love our local church. The, 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 God, the, 
the church is the bride of Christ. And we're told in God's word that one day Jesus will come back for his bride. And I want, to, I want us to be ready. And if you take a church where God's design and God's desire is being played out into the life of a church, she is a beautiful bride. And, and it's an opportunity for us to, to lift up what God is doing in his plan of redemption through the church. When I finished some doctoral work back in 2012, Haddon Robinson spoke for just a moment at graduation. And he said three things and then he sat down. He said, I want to tell you graduates these three things. He said, preach the word, love the people, and do the church no harm. Do the church no harm. And that is my passion. That by testimony, by witness, by life, that this church that bears the name Watkinsville, this pastor that serves Watkinsville, that we together, that me personally, that we will do the church no harm, that we will lift her up and celebrate what God is doing and how he's, are we perfect? No, that's, that's why we're not in heaven yet. God's still working on us and he's transforming us and today I hope his spirit's active and will change us and get rid of what doesn't belong in us and part of us. I want the world to see that God's design and God's delight for his bride can be beautiful. I believe it's the hope of the world. And here's a third reason why Ephesians, why a series called Sealed. It has become trendy in recent days for people to announce publicly that they're deconstructing their faith. You've seen it? Read about it? You hear it? It's not going off in the shadows and just fading away. It is a, some kind of like trendy public announcement of, hey, just want y'all to know I'm not a believer anymore. I'm redoing my life. I don't believe it anymore. And I say to you that if you have a faith that you can deconstruct, it must be a faith that you built yourself. And God's teaching us in the book of Ephesians that the work of salvation is his work. And that the work of salvation is a work that when we have our faith in Jesus Christ, that we are sealed by the power and guarantee of the Holy Spirit. And if you build your faith upon the word of God that does not change, does not die, that will never go away. Friends, you are clinging to a faith that when the storms come and the doubts come, you can cling rock solid to his word. And today we're going to begin this journey of just of, of saying this is what salvation is. And Ephesians divides so beautifully with the first three chapters talking about our, um, what, what God has done 
in our salvation. And then the last three chapters talk about how we live out that salvation. The first three chapters, you get the foundation of our faith. And the last three chapters, you get the application of our faith. You get in those first three chapters the doctrine that we believe. And the last three chapters, you get our D-U-T-Y. You get the duty of how we live out our Christian life. Now, before we go any further, we're going to pray. We're going to commit this study through Ephesians to the Lord. And we're also going to pray uh, for Afghanistan. Believers in Afghanistan. We're going to pray for Haiti and the people of Haiti. Let's bow together and let's pray. Father, we bow before you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your eternal word. We thank you that it shows us the way to eternal life. We praise you, Jesus, as our Savior. Thank you for coming and dying for us. We thank you for rising again and telling us how we can be right with God and have our sins forgiven. Thank you, Father, that by grace through faith we can be saved. We pray, Father, as we work through the book of Ephesians, that you would teach us, that you would accomplish in us, Lord, what your plans are for preserving this word for us till this day. Let our hearts be open. I pray we would be convicted by your spirit. I pray we'd be quick to obey. I pray you would change us and form us and shape us as a church corporately to be more and more and more like what your desire and design is for the church. And I pray individually, Lord, that you would do that same thing in us. Father, today we intercede for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Afghanistan. We know that the church is being persecuted there. We know, Lord, that it reaches beyond Afghanistan, but we pray specifically together in the name of Jesus for those whose lives are on the line because their faith is in you. We pray that you would interrupt, intercept, interfere with the schemes of Satan. We pray, Lord, that you would save those who are seeking to bring harm to those that bear your name. We pray, Lord, that there would be a mighty move of your spirit. Lord, I think particularly today of the capital of Afghanistan, that you would, Lord, that you would send your angels. You would work in mighty power, Lord, to strengthen faith, to protect lives. Lord, I, we pray for you to do what need, what's needed there beyond what we even know to pray. We pray, Father, for the people of Haiti that have lost, Lord, in many cases, the little they were clinging to. We pray, Lord, for those that are grieving the loss of shelter, that are grieving the loss of order that are, are grieving the loss of lives all around them. 
We pray you would raise up honest leaders, trustworthy leaders, uh, people with stamina to help people and in just areas that need to get food and water and shelter. We pray against the enemy's attack to, and schemes to take advantage of vulnerable, vulnerable people. We pray the church would be strong and vibrant there. We pray for believers' faith to be strong. We pray for souls to be saved. We're asking you, Lord, for your help. For those that are suffering and those that are being persecuted. In Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. I left a card at um, a Jittery Joe's in town this week and kind of retraced steps in my mind, realized that it could be there. I called and they said, yes, we have your card. I went through the drive through and said, I don't need coffee. I just need my card. And, and, uh, and, uh, and so I got to the window and, and I told them who I was and they looked at me and they said, well, can I, can I see some identity? Got my driver's license and I handed it to them. They stared at the picture and and uh, we we worked through that and and just thought they needed to know my identity. In Ephesians chapter one, what Paul does at the beginning of this letter for the church at Ephesus, he wants them to know his identity. He wants them to know who he is. Before you read the letter, here's who I am. And many times when you start through the book, a book of the Bible, we spend our time talking about the audience. Today I want to begin by talking about the author. I want to focus in on the Apostle Paul. And I want you to see that the God who made the Apostle Paul is the God who used the Apostle Paul to do good works that last forever. They're lasting right into today, almost 2,000 years later. And, and God who made you will use you for good works if you make yourself available to him in good works that last forever. Today we start with Ephesians 1 and I want to cover today verses 1 and 2. Actually, I want to cover half of verse 1. Now that makes some of you nervous. You're thinking half of verse 1 the first week? This is going to be, I'll be a fifth year senior before he ever finishes this book. Um, um, we're going to take more verses most weeks, okay? But this morning, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had some clarity in his life when it comes to identity. The Apostle Paul knew who he was. The Apostle Paul knew what he was. The Apostle Paul knew whose he was. And the Apostle Paul knew why he was. And that's what I just gave you the outline. When you look at these verses and just the first half of verse 1, we see that the Apostle Paul knew who he was. He used his name. He used his name right at the very beginning. Just that four-letter word, Paul. And wrapped up in that name was a story. It was a testimony. And on many occasions, Paul would 
give that story of his name. Paul was a guy that had been known by many as Saul. And God changed his life and he became known as Paul. And when Paul used his name, when it, when it was written, he had to be thinking, rolling around in his mind, there's a story to that name. You turn back a few pages in your Bible to Acts chapter 7 and we're introduced to this guy named Saul in a time of persecution. The believers were uh, living here in Jerusalem. They bore the name of Christ. Uh, they were identified as the way. We, we say Christians usually, but initially believers as a group were identified as those of the way, W-A-Y. And Saul, by that name, at this time was a Pharisee. He had been educated by the strongest of teachers. He was passionate for the uh, law. He was passionate for Jewish history. He clung to the law. And those who had become followers of Jesus Christ became targets of Saul. And he began to look for them and pursue them. And he found out their names and he asked for list that would tell who they were and he would go and find them and he was a part of Christians uh, being put to death because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Look, Stephen was a guy that was a follower of Jesus in verse 58 of chapter 7 of Acts. It says, then they cast him out of the city, a reference to Stephen. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. Verse 1, chapter 8, and Saul approved of his execution. Look in verse 3. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. You go to chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That was his story before Jesus. That's what he was doing. Friends, listen, this is not 2,000-year-old history. If you're following the news, you know this very story is happening in our world today. It's happening in Afghanistan today, where the lists are there, the people's names are there, and followers of Jesus Christ are being sought out. Look what happened in verse 3. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what you are to do. Look at verse 10. It says, Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias and he said here I am Lord and the Lord said to him rise and go to the street called straight and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul for behold he is praying and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might 
regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name. If you, if you drop out right now in attention, would you drop out with this prayer and just pray for the next 20 minutes this prayer. God, would you today in Afghanistan apprehend those that would be going looking for believers and Christians. And Lord, would you do something miraculous in their life to, to capture them and change them just like you did Saul. That's what we need. We need God to work supernaturally in the lives and hearts of people to go and defeat the enemy in the same way that we see God working right here. Pray that today. And notice this guy that identifies himself in Ephesians as Paul had this testimony and this story and you, if you read on through Acts you find out that Ananias and Saul got together and the Spirit of God came upon him and, and then Barnabas comes around him and then the church at Antioch comes around them and commissions them and sends them out on their first missionary journey and there's just this story of who he, of who he was and when he starts this letter he says Paul and I wonder today if there might be somebody in this room that would have a new story when you left this place. You're on your way to somewhere and you wound up at Watkinsville First Baptist. And God has brought you here and supernaturally he wants to change your life forever. It happened for me as a junior in college. A good guy in many ways holding to the law. I was raised in a, in a family's home that, that knew Jesus, but it was law for the kids. And went off to college, and I just did what was good to keep mama happy. I'd call home and tell her on Sunday afternoon, hey, I went to church. Think dad could send money? You know, it just seemed to <laughs> kind of go together. Went to church, send money. Um, but my junior year, that call home was, hey, I've, I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And in my apartment, second floor, lamplighter apartment, came in from class, got down on my knees and said, God, I've heard all this stuff. I know what you did. I know what Jesus has done. And today, I want to give you my life. I want to live for you. I don't know what that looks like. But here I am. I believe you. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. I'm telling you my story today. Carlos has a story. Do you have a story? The Apostle Paul knew who he was. Number two, he knew what he was. He says, Paul, an apostle. This is what he was. He was an apostle. God had given him an assignment. When Jesus spoke. To Ananias, he said, he's my chosen instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles and kings and government officials. And I'm going to tell him how much he's going to suffer. And, and Paul identified himself here, Paul, an apostle. What was an apostle? An apostle was someone who's sent with authority, with purpose. And the apostle Paul was just this. He was sent by God with the authority of the Holy Spirit, with the purpose of preaching the good news of Jesus 
to those that God sent him to. God gave him an assignment. Maybe you know today your story. You know your life has changed. You have a testimony. You know you're going to heaven when you die. Have you gotten your assignment? You know what you are. Do you know what God's calling you to do? So how do I know? You will know the same way that the Apostle Paul knew. The Apostle Paul knew what his assignment was by the work of God. Paul knew what his assignment was by the word of God. Paul knew what his assignment was by the spirit of God. And Paul knew what his assignment was by the people of God. Let me slow that down just a little bit. You're really trying to pray through this and think through this. And you're, you're thinking, I'm looking for my purpose. I'm looking for God's call on my life. God works in your life first through the work of God. I'm not saying it's in this particular order. But these are the, this is what shows up. The work of God. Certainly in Paul's life, the work of God was a bright light on a road to Damascus. It could be that today in this room, this is your Damascus road. This is your Damascus experience. You never had any clue that you'd walk into this room and God would be speaking to your heart in this way on this day about this topic. The work of God. You look at your life and trace what God's done through the years and what you will find are events and times and experiences in your life where you would say, there's no way I could have ever written this story. There's no way I could have ever woven these pieces together. Lord, look where you've been to work, been at work, right there and right there and right there and right there. And you learn your assignment by looking at the work of God. There's several places at the big decisions of my life where I answer the call to preach. God wove some things together that would take a big cup of coffee to walk you through. But God wove some things together that I looked at and I was like, that was God. Coming to be your pastor. There were at least two very specific events that happened that wove it together for me to know with full confidence that being pastor here at Watkinsville was my next assignment. It was the work of God. Where's God working in your life? Where's he been working? Secondly, the word of God. When you read the word, where does he speak? Where does he take you to? What does he say? What does he... Quicken your spirit with. Apostle Paul, Jesus spoke. When we read the word, God is speaking. I came to be pastor here, sitting in my office in Cleveland as pastor of Macedonia. And I was talking to people from Watkinsville about being pastor here over the course of a year. But there was this one morning where Lord there's a phone call coming today that I need to give an answer to. I need to hear from you. And I was reading in his word and in the book of Jonah, God spoke. And I just started crying. I read this verse and I'm like, we're going. We're going. Where's the word speaking? The spirit of God. God used the spirit in, in the apostle Paul's life to affirm and confirm what he, his task was. Where does the Spirit bring peace for you? When you serve, when you operate in the gifts that He's given you, where do you find joy? Serving the Lord and answering the call doesn't mean that He's sentencing you to some kind of 
terrible life. I'm te- I love what I do. One of the things that happened all over again in sabbatical that, that week, that month, as I just came closer and closer to August the 1st, it just, I just became, once again, just eager, more and more eager every day. Lord, I just can't wait. I hope it comes through in my preaching in these days. I love what God has given me the privilege to do. And I believe it bears witness with the Spirit, and there's great peace in that. And where's the Spirit bearing witness when you lay things before the Lord? Where does He guide you, direct you, give you peace? And the fourth area is the people of God. One of the ways God works, just like He did with Ananias, He works through other believers to help us know what God's doing in our life. Here's what I'm saying. When you're trying to figure out what God wants to do with your life, there's going to be this inward call. There's going to be this sense of what the Spirit of God is doing in you, what the Word of God is doing in you. But God, along with that, will bring other believers in your life that will affirm where you're going or they will say, hey, I'm not seeing that. And the story is over and over again. When you talk to people about, how did you know you were supposed to do this? Somewhere they will mention, there was this person that said. There was this opportunity that was given. And a junior, my senior year, I said to my local church pastor, Bob Pittman, I said, I believe God's called me to preach. And about two weeks later, I got a phone call from a guy named Scott Price who was pastoring a church in town. And he said, I heard that um, you shared publicly that God's called you to preach. And I'm going to be out of town in a few weeks. And I want you to come to church where I pastor and I want you to preach. And, I, and I was, it was the first chance I was given after publicly saying, I believe God had called me to preach. And I remember the first thing that went through my mind was, I don't have a sermon. How am I going to do where you, what, you, you, you like order those? What do you do? I don't even know how to, I don't even know what to do. And I was just like, sure. Oh! And I was just, it was just, but what, what had happened was is that God began to just affirm publicly through the lives of others. And that's, that's how you know, through the work of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the people of God, this inward call and outward call for you to know what it is God wants you to do. Number three, the Apostle Paul knew whose he was. He knew whose he was. He says, Paul, an apostle, just as you read that, say those words to yourself, of Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, he knew who he was, he knew what he was, but ultimately what's so critical for every one of us is for us to know whose we are. Carlos is not, I'm, I'm, I'm not Watkinsville First Baptist. I don't know where you put the possessive in that, but I, I, I'm not Carlos of the Southern Baptist Convention. Do you see whose you are? When God calls you, when he puts an assignment on your life, when he gives you direction and purpose, do you realize we are, you are an ambassador for Christ? It's about his name. It's about his glory. He's Lord. He's the leader. 
And, and, and listen to how Paul put it in, in our scripture, the first letter that you come to that Paul wrote is Romans. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. You keep going, you come to 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. You get to 2 Corinthians, you just keep going. You just, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. And, and you see, over he knew whose he was. Jesus was at the center of all he was. Look, look at me. Look, look here real close. When you answer a call, when you get your assignment of who you are and what you are, can I say something to you about the Apostle Paul? He knew nothing about building a brand. He was not building a platform. He was not building his name. He was not building a network. It was not about his reputation. In fact, he said, here is my reputation. Philippians 1.19, for me to live is what? Christ. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our world, the church, gets so much bad rap. The, the church has brought harm when people begin to see that as an ambassador of Christ, they become instead somehow through the subtlety of the enemy's schemes, they become their own ambassador. And their name becomes big. Their brand becomes big. Their platform becomes big. Paul knew who he was. Paul knew what he was. But Paul knew whose he was. And Jesus was at the very center of who he was. And number four, he knew why he was. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Not by grandmother's will. Not by my youth director's will. Not by my daddy's will. By the will of God. And many of us you find times in our life where really our choices and our decisions and our assignments come down a lot more to the human influencers in our life than they do to the ultimate spiritual influence of God Almighty. And you've got to come to a place in your life as you find out who you are, whose you are, that what you do and why you do what you do is because that's what God made you to do. Can I be very personal with you? I told my wife, Carla, a few days before my dad died. He died May 27th. I said, Carla, this is the raw reality. I don't know who I'm going to be when my dad is gone. She said, what do you mean? Said, dad has had such an influence on my life. He's been such a source of accountability. I've had a dream of not disappointing my dad. And when he's gone, I don't know who I'm going to be. I told my oldest son, 
Graham, I'm in a weird place right now. I can do anything in the world and not have to call my dad and explain it. walking you through life, all right? And the beautiful thing is, is you grieve through that and you begin to look at your heart and look at your life and come to a point where you realize, I miss my dad, but I didn't miss my calling. And I am who I am by the will of God. And that's a sweet place to be. And I'm saying to you this morning, Right here at the beginning of Ephesians, it's an opportunity for you to know who you are, what you are, whose you are, and by whose will you're marching to. How do you respond to this message? Well, number one, if you're a believer, I want to ask you to pray for laborers. I want to ask you to pray that God would call out from among us laborers. Leaders and servants to work in ministry, to take the gospel to our community and the world, to lead and serve the local church. Pray for God to call out laborers. Number two, but ask you to pray for God to make his will known first in your life. Pray it. God, I, I w- would you show me what you want me to do? I want to do your will. Pray for God's will to be known in your family and your in, in those around you that you have relationship with. Number three, look inward and listen outwardly for God's call. Look inwardly. What's the Spirit of God saying? How's God working? What's His Word speaking to you? Listen outwardly. What are you hearing? Number four, I want to ask you, is there any curiosity in your heart today about ministry being your vocation for life? Is there any curiosity in your heart? Are you sitting here maybe as a couple or a college student or a young teenager? Is there any curiosity there in your heart that you're thinking, you know what, I'm really wondering that maybe that God is calling me to a vocation of ministry, serving. Now, I want to be very narrow. I want to bring this very narrow in to a specific thing. I want to ask you today if there's a person in the room that might believe this is the day that God's using to seal in your heart that he's called you to serve him as a vocation. I want to ask you, if you're curious about vocational ministry or if you believe God is calling you, would you today put your availability on the table? You may be in your retirement years. You may be approaching them. You may be looking at the second half of your life. You may be just getting started. Would you take this step of putting your availability on the line? 
God works in that. He'll shut it down and use you in the ways that he wants to use you. He'll keep leading you if you'll just put your availability on the line. When I went back to Auburn from my hometown church, I said, Al, um, I want to tell you this weekend, I talked to a local pastor in the church there and told him, I believe God's called me to preach. And I want you to know, I believe God's called me to preach. And Al, he's standing there and he goes, all right. I don't, know, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if he was going to high-five me or hug me or throw a party. I don't know. It was just, he said, all right. That was in spring. He said, um, next phrase, can you go to Buffalo, New York this summer? We need somebody for six weeks to work up there with teenagers in the church we're trying to plant. Never smiled. I was just like, I felt so awkward saying, let me pray about that and see, you know, what it was just, it was like God was saying, you make yourself available. Let's go. Let's go. And that was in the spring and in July of that summer. I, I flew to Buffalo, New York, and I spent four years in Buffalo that summer. It was, <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> Never been back. But here I am today. Father, I bow before you right now in this room and I pray that your spirit would be moving in the hearts and lives of people and I want to ask you that you would call out the called. And I ask you, Lord, that you would raise up laborers for the harvest. I pray, Lord, that, that those that you have an assignment for will find great peace in knowing your will. And, Lord, that you would... Take their availability and use it for your glory. Heads bowed in this room is what I ask you to do. Would you come and tell me today before you leave, Pastor, I want you to know I'm making myself available. I want you to know God's called me. I'll be hanging around down here at the front. Or would you email me? Simple, carlos at watkinsville.org. And I want to I start walking with you had uh, two people come to me after 9 o'clock service do that very thing email me carlos at watkinsville.org or come find me after the service lord let your will be done